And so, church family, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these moments where we again get to hear your voice. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. God will use you to the degree he breaks you. I remember being at a conference, hearing this as a young pastor, and hoping that was not the case. In my immaturity as a young person, I wanted to serve God with rainbows and sunshines and lollipops, and if we could avoid all the pain stuff, that'd be great. Let me make an impact for your name, but not go through any trials or ordeals. That was my preference. Turns out God had other plans. And God is good, but there are trials along the way. This principle I see in the life of a man named Tim Tebow. I don't know if you know Tim Tebow at all. I had a chance to meet him along the way. I'm sure he remembers me as much as I remember him. Probably not. Great guy, though. Great guy. NCAA football quarterback, NFL, outspoken Christian. Uh, But maybe some of you uh, don't know what happened around his birth time. Let me tell you, um, he was uh, part of a family who were missionaries in the Philippines. And uh, while his mother was pregnant with him, she got sick. She fell into a coma, and in the Philippines, abortion is illegal. uh, But the doctors still advised it for her sake and also for the sake of the child who they thought would be born stillborn. But they disagreed, and they went for it anyway. We know the results, and now we know a, a very healthy Tim Tebow, and his mom is doing well too. But I wonder if that impacted him because he leads a night that my nephews and nieces have done, a night that is kind of sweeping our nation. Um, Here's what he leads, a night to shine. Has anyone heard of this? Incredible night where uh, those with special needs are are treated just incredibly. They're they're given a night for themselves, uh, a good dance, a reason to dress up, a reason to have fun and know that they are supremely loved like everyone else's. And part of me thinks that this was birthed out of Tim Tebow's heart because he knows what it's, it's like when someone looks down on the quality of life. He almost wouldn't be here as the doctors said, no, no, he shouldn't exist. But Tebow knows what God knows, which is every soul is important. Every birth was planned by God. All our days were ordained before one of them came to be. How great is this? You know, I see that principle. God uses you to the degree he breaks you in the life of a man named Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul. And uh, some of you might know his conversion story. Um, He was on his way to a city called, does anyone know, pop quiz? He was on his way to Damascus. I heard it. And he was struck by a light. And, uh, and there are many things maybe you remember from this account if you're a Christian. If you grew up in the church, some things strike you. You might remember he was struck with blindness. Some of you might remember that. You, you might uh, know that Jesus was questioning him, saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You might know that it is from here he was commissioned to go and reach the Gentiles, go and share the resurrected Jesus uh, among those who are not Jews. But here's something that I think you probably didn't remember but is so insightful for us to consider. When Ananias was sent to Saul to commission him, uh, God told him uh, Paul's plan. And, and in the Acts account, it says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, 
We understand a commission of the Gentiles. We understand not persecuting Jesus. But this was God's plan to suffer for the name? Do you know that's not a one-off? There's a story of a man named Job. And I love the book of Job because Job helps us understand that suffering's hard. And, and most of the book of Job is just him wrestling with the idea of suffering. Because there are no easy answers on earth. And, and you might know that in the first chapter he loses everything. He loses his, his wealth. He loses his children. Eventually he loses his health. But do you know why? So it says in chapter 1 that Satan came back from roaming around the earth. And God said to him, the, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Whose idea was Job's suffering? God's idea. And so today we are going to wrestle with God and the concept of pain, which is hugely important because I always see it's kind of a fork in the road. That how you process pain makes a huge difference. It'll either draw you close to God, it'll draw you away from God. And so this is an important discussion, friends. And something I believe, regardless of your church experience, is this, that God is good. That God is trustworthy. That God loves you more than you know right now. And so let's get our bearings a little bit of why there is pain. I teach a class called Starting Point, and I tell them my favorite lesson is, um, you know, answering the question, why is life unfair? And in that lesson, we talk about the fall into sin. And even if you're not a church person, you might know of the Garden of Eden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then the fall. Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit. And what happened? A Pandora's box of pain was unleashed on the world because of it. Now there would be sin and sickness and death and mourning and crying. All these evils unleashed. And since that time, theologians have been trying to wrestle with the causality of pain. I remember some theologians talking about the primary and secondary will of God. The primary will of God is that we would be saved and no sins forgiven. The secondary will is that sin would take its course and we'd be separated. Sometimes we wrestle with what pain is because of the fall and we live in a sinful world and, and what pain was ordained by God himself kind of with Job and Saul's story. And though I can't always answer that, if you would counsel with me today and say, where did this pain come from? I wouldn't have an answer. What we do know in general is that with an almighty God, the pain does have to pass through his hands. And so what do we do, especially if today you came in with pain or suffering? Well, here's a starting point for our understanding of God's goodness and what he might do. It's a quote from Jerry Bridges. It goes like this, God never wastes pain. He always uses it to accomplish his purpose, and his purpose is for his glory and our good. Therefore, we can trust him when our hearts are aching or our bodies are racked with pain. And our first fill-in for this morning, God never wastes pain. He always uses it. In fact, in Christian circles, it's interesting that there, there's this kind of common sentiment among pain that though I wouldn't choose it, I also wouldn't change it. Because of what God did through it for me. And so that's what we got to see, that, that God doesn't waste our pain. God always, always, always uses it. And never was this more true than in the life of Jesus. So today we're going to get into Isaiah 53 and uh, just getting our bearings in the Word of God this morning. Feel free to take out your Bibles if you have them. 
the Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament. So if you're reading your Bible, read the Old Testament. It's great. But the Old Testament works differently. It's a big foreshadowing about who Jesus is and what he'd do. In fact, at seminary, I learned kind of a hoity-toity term for that. It's called progressive revelation. That over time, it progresses to a fuller revelation to who Jesus is and what he would do. And, uh, and Isaiah 53 is one of the most meaty sections about that revelation. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about uh, the cross, doesn't mention the cross, but it's hard not to see the cross in Good Friday. This is the, the suffering servant section where it talks about God's use of pain for Jesus to help us. And this is what we get to take in this morning. And sometimes we stand in honor of God's word. Can we do that this morning? Would you stand in honor of God's word as we hear it today from Isaiah 53? Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. These are the powerful words we could consider. Could you say out louder to your neighbor, he never wastes pain. He never wastes pain. Let's talk about it. And there is good here. Feel free to be seated. So we live in a culture of instant gratification and creature comforts. And I'm just curious if you've taken up our society on this. How many of you have ever had food delivered by Uber Eats or DoorDash, all right? Uber Eats, DoorDash. Wow, not, not enough, folks. It's, it's fun. It's fun. In fact, I've done it before, uh, usually prompted by coupons because I'm cheap. And, uh, and, and what I love is after I use that coupon and I get the order is I track where my order is. And so I, I see if they're going to meet my timeline, and I see when they're picking up. And then if they have a stop along the way, I am hoping and even praying sometimes they will skip that stop and come directly to me. Because when I want my five guys, my portillos, I want it now. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about with instant gratification? Uh, many things are among that matter, even if you don't have food delivery. Well, that, well, that's a light, light example. Can I segue into a deeper example of creature comforts and avoiding pain? So um, during the COVID crisis, uh, there were a lot of people dealing with mental health issues. And there was another epidemic going on that didn't make as much news. It was called the opioid overdose epidemic. And in uh, 2020, the stats were kind of staggering right around that COVID time. In fact, here's what the CDC reported about overdoses. That the number of drug overdose deaths increased by nearly 30% from 2019 to 2020 and has quintupled since 1999. Now, what is one possible reason behind that? We don't like pain very much, do we? 
And so then easier than bearing up through that pain is taking something that will hopefully get rid of that pain, at least for a while. In fact, in America, our, our per- pursuit of happiness is crazy. We, we, we think that we should pursue happiness all the time, that we should be happy in every circumstance. Like even a job should be happy all the time. By the way, go back and read about the fall, and actually our work was cursed by sin. So yeah, we're on this pursuit of happiness all of the time. And what happens in Christianity is sometimes American culture has an insidious way of creeping into our view of God. And now when it comes to pain, even Christians say, well, this is foreign. What in the world? If I believe in God, shouldn't things go my way? In fact, this is how sometimes Christians process. I don't know if you've ever been here on one way or the other. Christians will pray a lot about a certain decision. And then when they make that decision, they'll encounter inevitably pain. But that pain will get them to reconsider their decision. And they have a certain thought like this. Well, if it feels this way, God must not be in it. I must have made the wrong decision. Now, now sometimes we do have to pivot and sometimes God closes doors. But, But to say in general that God is not in a painful ordeal, it's short sighted. Because here's another takeaway, our next fill-in. I don't believe we should think of pain as foreign, but actually we should expect pain. And I know that could be a downer to hear, and you're like, I thought this was the highlight of the week, Pastor. But but it's only when you get here that you won't be disillusioned when this actually creeps up in your life. Because when Jesus was sending out disciples that he loved, it wasn't like he was sending them on vacation, was it? It wasn't like, well, tell me how good the food is, you know, what you had for dinner. Bon voyage. Have a great time. See you when you come back. I hope you have a ball. Live the dream, guys. Is that what he said? No. A verse that we didn't read before our first lesson was this. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Get ready for war. They're going to try to attack you. They're going to try to hurt you. They're going to try to rip you apart. Now, how does this shape our view of following Jesus? Well, number one, I want to be positive. And and I believe if if you choose today and say, today's the day I'm going to follow Jesus even closer, that's a great decision. That if you choose today, today I'm not going to be a sideline Christian, but I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be part of the church. I'm going to be a light in my community. That's a good decision. In fact, when we get to heaven, those kind of decisions, we're going to be like, oh, I'm so glad. That was the day that my life changed for the better. That was the day I had purpose like never before. So number one, the decision to serve God or follow God, it is the best decision you can possibly make. And number two, you're signing up for pain. Put on that shield, that armor, because you're going to war. And that's what Jesus reminded us of. That when it comes to pain, we can expect it. And so, as we go and and think about this, I I think of all the times that we're willing to put up with pain, but not for Jesus. When it comes to our first jobs, does anyone remember their first job? I had to laugh because, Pastor Jeff, um, we have the same first job. I worked at a movie theater, too. So that, that was awesome. Yours was a drive-in, though, and, and I was actually behind the stands and, um, and both concessions. But, but I remember doing something that, that I hated. 
because I, I don't like sales. Like, your money's your money. That's fine. Um, but they told me that to be a good concession, I had to upsell people. Has anyone ever upsell? So, so I had, if they ordered a medium, for a quarter more, you can get this large. And they even told me, put the large in front of them and the medium back here. Right? And I felt ridiculous. I felt like a clown. I'm like, you're going to, this is not a lot of, this is a lot of sugar. Right? So, like, don't get the large. Right? Like, happy to have a medium. Right? But you do it, right? You do it. And you do so many other things for your first job, right? You endure longer hours and, and, and maybe bad coworker activity and maybe you're not treated so kindly in your first job, all for a minimum wage paycheck, which is ridiculous. Or a relationship. I don't know if you ever put in a lot of work for a relationship, your first boyfriend or girlfriend. You're like, I did all that? I put up with all that just for a relationship that's no longer in my life? What was I doing? And so we're used to enduring pain for so many less than things, like a job and, and a girlfriend or a boyfriend. But when it comes to Jesus, Jesus warns us about being sent out to the wolves. And Jesus warns us about bearing a cross to follow me, deny yourself, put up a, and, and pick up your cross. And then when the cross comes, we act surprised. What's this doing here? I thought it was going to be happy, happy, joy, joy. We shouldn't be surprised. God told us. And today, if there's an area that we can grow in, if there's an area that we can repent of, it's all the times we haven't been willing to suffer for the sake of Jesus. Where pain came and we're like, I'm not sure it's worth it today, Jesus. And look again at him. Look again at the words we saw from Isaiah 53. There's this correlation of what he did and his love for us. Isaiah 53 says, but he was pierced, why? Because of us. And he was crushed, why? Because of us. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. God loves you so much that he says, I will endure your pain. Let's trade places. I will suffer so that you don't have to suffer. The full penalty of sin, you don't have to worry about. The wrath of God over sin, you don't have to worry about because I bore your cross for you. And that's the gospel, friends. You are set free simply through faith in Jesus. He loves you more than you know. Whatever sin you came in with, it's forgiven. It's washed clean. The blood of Jesus, it covers it. But it was because of the pain Jesus endured, not in spite of it. Jesus absorbed that for us, and what might we absorb for him? You know, a perspective of pain uh, came from Corey Ten Boom, and some of you might know that name. She was a Jew living during the Holocaust, and, and she wrote a poem called My Life is But a Weaving, and um, in it there was this uh, picture of our lives, and that picture was that of a tapestry. Um, and if you've ever seen the backside of a tapestry, um, it looks like this. It's, it's not a masterpiece. It's a mess. The yarn goes in places we don't understand. What's, what's going on here? They tie it off in certain places. Like, th this, is, this is not pretty, unless you have, like, that preference of art form. But this is not it, right? And this is life on planet Earth as a Christian. We, we live under the loom. And we look at the chaos of this life and we're like, I don't even get it. I don't get why it goes there and why it's tied off here. And, and this is a mess. 
But every now and then, and some of you have lived long enough to see this, every now and then, he lets us see what he's making. And you can remember a season where you didn't understand what was going on, but you see clearly what he did through that experience. He knows how to make a masterpiece out of the mess. And so Corey Ten Boom, she wrote this beautiful poem about it. Here were her words. She said, my life is but a weaving between my God and me. I do not choose the colors. He works so steadily. Oft times he weaves in sorrow, and I in foolish pride. Forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly. Will God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why? The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. And this, someone who lived through the Holocaust, says about those dark threads, they were as needful. And so what do we know? What is our next fill-in? That God works good out of our pain, doesn't he? And, And this is proof that he is the almighty God. Who else, who else could make a masterpiece out of such messes? That's our God. So let's talk about three areas where he does this. You know, something I love that is celebrated today is Christian community. And, and there's just something that makes my heart happy when I see so many people. And even if I don't get to say hi to you today, it is just so good to see you. And, and maybe you've benefited by a Christian community. We have growth groups going on. Uh, we moved from 8 to 22 growth groups. And there's something that I've seen time and time again in Christian circles that I just love and would recommend about growth groups. It's when I'm going through something or you're going through something that someone else has already been through. And what's amazing is that the person who's already been through it can be like, let me tell you how I dealt with that. Or that person can be like, oh, I know exactly what that's like. It's one of the reasons I love having Pastor Jeff here. Do you love having Pastor Jeff here? Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't know this, but we're not going to let him leave. Um, we got plans for that. And, uh, and I, I still remember I, I came in with, you know, some stress one day, and it was like, to me, a DEFCON 5 moment. And, um, and I'm like, you know, all anxious and worried and upset. And, um, and he wasn't. He weren't. And I'm like, what's the deal? Like, how, how are you so chill about this? And, uh, well, he's been through some things. And uh, done a little bit more ministry, 42 years. I'm on 15. Um, and so he said, you know, we don't have to be afraid or anxious. You know, when, when these things happen, I just get curious. Do you remember saying that? I just get curious because in faith, he actually believes God is on our side. And so we don't have to be upset. We just get curious. And that has stuck with me. It has helped me. And it's something I've seen in Christian community time and time again. Someone who was divorced and then some, met someone who already went through it and said, this is how I got through. Someone who dealt with death and then meets someone who just went through it and said, this is how I got through. Someone dealing with anxiety and depression says, this, this is how I got through. And what I believe is that sometimes our pain isn't even about us. Our next fill, and sometimes our pain is about helping someone else. See, see back to Paul's story. When Paul was called and, and he was told to reach the lost, he had to be able to relate to the lost people, right? Because he would encounter people who inevitably would say, Paul, I love your gospel and everything, but I'm way too far off. <laughs> like, I know God loves people, but he would not love me. And Paul was able to tell him, no, 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 you don't understand. 
I'm the chief of sinners, okay? No one's as bad as I have been. And so if the grace of God is for me, then it is definitely for you. You are not alone in that feeling. And Paul went on to say, you know what it's like as humans? In 2 Corinthians, he said this. He said, we have a treasure in jars of clay to show that an all-surpassing power is, not, is from God and not from us. And so what we are as humans, weak humans, flawed humans, cracked humans, our weaknesses are a window to see that God is the power in us. God's the true beauty, not us. And sometimes what once was our misery now becomes our ministry because we are able to serve someone through it. Someone who has gone exactly through the same thing. In fact, I wonder, is there a story that you have that could help someone else? May God put someone in your life who's going through something you've already been through And may he invite you to serve them through it and point them to Jesus. I think that's his plan. Pain is not always about us. It's about us ministering to others through it. But there's more. And to talk about another good, I want to talk about an organist. Do we have any organists here? Courtney, you don't play the organ, do you? Not anymore. Okay. Well, uh, I remember my mom telling a story about one of her good friends, um, playing the organ. And it was quite the ordeal because uh, she was already a busy teacher and now this was yet another thing to do, right? A lot of practice. You have like three things going with the organ. I don't even know how to do that. But. Um, and, and then she had small kids and she'd have to bring her small kids while she was practicing, make them behave while she's doing all this, right? Not only that, but she got really nervous. She got sick to her stomach and her hands would shake and, and, and it was kind of painful to play the organ, one of her kids picked up on all that she was going through to play the organ, and it was like, Mom, why do you play the organ for church? The answer? She loved Jesus. You know what love does? Love is willing to absorb pain for someone else. See, our next feeling is, is pain isn't always about me. It's about my love for Jesus. It gives me a great opportunity to say, I love you this much. And so God's going to bring opportunities like the Sunday morning madness. You ever have Sunday morning madness on your way to church? Here's what happens if you have small kids. One has a tantrum, right? Another one's complaining, and another one throws up in the car on the way here. And then you have to get here and be like, oh, it's a great day. Thanks. Good to see you, Pastor. I know. I know. We've been there. Yep. Or it happens when you try to serve the Lord. And you make a commitment, and now you're service to the Lord. But there's so many things I could do on the weekend. I had a trip to Michigan. Sign up to serve the Lord. It happens when you give an offering, and sometimes you look at that number and you're like, oof, I could have done a lot of things. <laughs> There's pain sometimes that we endure. There's sacrifice at times. But I know of no better way than to say, God, <laughs> you're worth it and more. You know, another account that struck me is... Um, the disciples were flogged, and, uh, and they had an interesting reaction after being flogged by, by the Sanhedrin who brought up. And by the way, you could, get, you could die from being flogged. That's how severe this pain was. Um, and when they came back, uh, they didn't pray that their enemies would go away or pray that they could stop being missionaries and sharing the message. No, they, they had this interesting reaction in Acts. 
They said the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I marvel at this because I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I wish I were. What if we had a collective thought that, that we could go for and say, God, you're worth it. God, it, it doesn't matter how much I have to endure because I know my pain, my sacrifice will speak of how much I love you. And you see it, Lord. You see it if I'm suffering right now. You see it for any sacrifice I'm making right now. Even if no one else sees it, Lord, I know you see it. What if we could be the kind of people that just shout that way? I love you, Lord, by what I endure. But perhaps my favorite illustration about knowing God's love through pain is from parenting. Isn't it true you'll never know what your parents did until you became a parent? You know, it's even amazing that life continues on, generation after generation, after what it takes to raise an infant. The 24-7 neediness, holy cow. The mom raider that never turns off, even when they're 25. You know what it's like to have the hardness of discipline, when all you want to do is say yes, but you have to say no. You know what it's like to make them happy? You know what it's like when they're in pain? And there's this thing that happens for any parent. I'll never forget it. Bella was in the ER, and uh, she had uh, punctured her cheek. We were sitting there for a two-hour wait, and I had this strong impression. I was like, Lord, if I could just switch places with my infant, if I could just switch places, puncture my cheek, I don't care. Don't let my child be in pain. We never know what parenting's like until you become a parent. So how are we going to know Jesus' love until we experience something that Jesus endured? You know, something that's great about Jesus' love is that it's free. You come here and we say God's love is amazing. And it is, and it's free. It is. There is no string attached. You are set free from your sin. You have eternal life as a gift. You can't earn or deserve it. But though it was free to us, it's not free to him. The love of Jesus cost him dearly, cost him his blood and his life. And so sometimes to understand that love, he allows us to be betrayed. And when we're betrayed, we see him in the garden, betrayed by a kiss. And sometimes he allows us to be emotionally hurt to struggle with anxiety or depression or the names of people call us so that we can remember a crowd that once shouted Hosanna in just a few days yelled crucify. Sometimes he allows us to feel lonely as we live our Christian life. We feel like we're out on this ledge and no one understands our priorities and no one sees our sacrifice. It's those moments that we can remember in Jesus' hour of need, not one disciple stood by him. Not one. And if you're in physical pain, well, let me tell you about the man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. The one who was tortured. The one who was crucified. The one who died in the worst possible way. Let us remember that on every level, whatever we've had to endure, his love went further. And we will never truly investigate how wide and long and deep and high is the love of God unless we experience what that love cost. 
And so every now and then he allows you glimmers of the price of that love, never the full weight of it, so that you know, so that you hear God say, I love you that much and more. You can't possibly know all that I would absorb for your sake. And God does something we cannot do. See, I said parents would love to trade the place in pain when they're in the hospital, when they fail a test, when they're being persecuted. But God can do something we can't. He can switch. And that was the lesson today. The Son of God looks at us and says, I don't want you to bear that. I don't want you to be separated from me forever. I don't want you to bear the full weight of pain, so I'll do it. And you are set free. Because of the love of Jesus and his great cost, But may your painful ordeals draw you further to his love, to investigate the lengths of that love. May it not drive you away because he is good. He's always been good. He will be good. And may he revive you once again, no matter what you're going through. Let me pray for you. So Heavenly Father, I just hope that for all those who are experiencing pain today, that they would hear your voice from heaven. You're not alone. I understand this too. And may they see that your love went further than anything they're enduring. May they know that you're not going to waste this pain. You're going to use it. So that they know your love, so they draw close, so they marvel at what you're going to do to get them through. Lord, help us as a response to absorb any pain. To just shout with our lives, Lord, I love you too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding may it guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, one of the things we do is encourage one another as a community, and uh, we just give a confession of faith. And today, uh, we're going to use the confession of uh, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.